Hallo och välkommen till en ny episode av PL Kvartere, en podcast med mig Lars Sivertsen i samarbete med Betsson. Vi har en gäst denne gangen, vi har en spännande gäst, jämt över otroligt högt nivå på gästerna på podden. Denne gången är er nivån högt någon gång, men det är er en utländsk gäst som tar resten av podden på engelsk. Beklager hvis det inte är er för dig. Right, and we're over to uh, a more sort of global language because I have a very exciting guest, a man of many uh, abilities and skills, but maybe uh, fluent in Norwegian is not one of them, which is entirely understandable. But I have uh, with me Mr. Rafa Honigstein, and that's a, that's a very exciting thing to have. Thanks for coming on. Rafa, what I want to ask you primarily is I did a pod about a week ago when I tried to talk about this, and I think I did a bad job. I, afterwards, I didn't feel like I'd made my point very well. And, and what I wanted to talk about is this strange dynamic now with Liverpool, who, under Jurgen Klopp this season, they are now favourites to win the league. Like, if you look at the bookies, the odds have they are favourites to win the league. And for Jurgen Klopp, a man who's always been an underdog as a player, of course, in the second tier in, in Germany, as the coach of Mainz, you're always the underdog. As the coach of Dortmund, you're kind of an underdog. And with Liverpool as well, for a while, he was an underdog, but now things are expected of him. It's a completely new and different dynamic. How does that affect his work? Uh, how does that affect him? And do you think Liverpool will win the title? I think if, if Jurgen Klopp were to answer your question, he'd take the mic and put it in the bin. Um, what I mean by that is, I think he, he doesn't want all this narrative. He doesn't want all this talk. I think he tries his hardest to keep that dimension away from the minds of his players and himself. I think that his his way of coaching sort of in the moment and trying to filter out all sort of surrounding noises and the idea of pressure and the idea of history and what it would mean, etc. makes it not that difficult or not that different, shall I say, to the usual situation where maybe they would start the second or third favourites because he will... It's a bit of a cliche, but he really believes that it's all about winning the next game. And then you see where you find yourself. I don't think that he or his coaching team haven't spent a little time, a little bit of time with them. Uh, when I wrote the, the first version of the book, when I wrote the second version of the book, they they generally don't sit around thinking out about, you know, what do we have to do to be two or three points better off than we were last year when it comes to May? Mm. They realize or they or they they believe that it's such a big campaign, such a long and and twisted sort of roads to get there, that it is impossible to think in these terms. So we might see them as favorites. The bookies might see them as favorites. Their their good start and City's relatively poor start might make them even more favorites now. But I honestly don't believe that Klopp changes his mindset because of that. The thing that. I, I read your book. It's very good, and, and I recommend all our listeners go and buy it. It's terrific. But reading about what's it called in Norwegian? I would have thought is it called the same thing? Not. It is out in Norwegian, you guys. So check it out. You should know what it's called in Norwegian. <laughs> you should know. Oh well, fair enough. Uh, but but just going back to the origins of his way of looking at the game, his coaching, like when he was playing under Wolfgang Frank, you know, Saki fanatic Wolfgang Wolfgang Frank, and it just seems to me that so much of it was, as he's explained later. He realized that playing in a certain type of tactic, you can beat teams who have better players than you. And so much of what he's done in his career comes from this. Uh, his, his Dortmund team was a great team. They had some great players, but they also got to the Champions League final with Kevin Goskreutz. You know, some of it is about how running and running power and mentality and, and doing the right things can overcome a deficit of talent. But now there is no deficit of talent. Like player for player, 
maybe City squad is a little bit better, but not by much. It's one of the best squads in Europe. Uh, has he changed the way he works? Is it still about squeezing all the energy out of these guys? Is, is, is the way he prepares for games is it different now, do you think? I think tactically things have evolved. Of course, if you are Mainz and you cannot really play football, it's a different way of approaching a game than when you're at Liverpool. And you know uh, these days that most teams, uh, to use a Jose Mourinho uh, phrase, will, will give you fish uh, rather than rather than meat. Uh, you know, that is not a surprise. That's how it has been for the best part of three years now against this Liverpool team. Everyone is afraid of their, their attacking players. Everyone tries to play... Uh, a very defensively solid game, so you have to find different solutions. It is it is a very different club football, but I think the fundamentals are still the same. The fundamentals are still about um, a kind of collective responsibility, a kind of togetherness, and uh, a real sort of a mix between I think motivation and what we would probably see as as tactics, where he thinks it's basically one and the same. You know, you you buy into this idea that you play with your teammates that you play for your teammates you can then move differently or move in a more collective in a more sort of dedicated manner than if you're just playing your game for yourself and I think it's always been really important for him to instill that kind of identity and that kind of that sense that these players are playing for each other and playing by extension sort of for a for a much bigger family and for a much bigger group and that's been that's been the bedrock I think of his coaching idea at Liverpool it's it fits perfectly because there is already sort of the the grassroots of that going back many many decades and I don't think again I don't think that would have necessarily changed I think what changes is sort of the the individual solutions necessary um, for many many games where just running and just application and just sort of being organized and, and trying to bend transition can no longer cut it because you have the ball and then you need to be actually a bit more proactive and a bit more inventive with it. Do you feel like he almost doesn't get enough credit for what he does tactically? Because there's so much emphasis and he does this slightly himself because he puts the emphasis on it, right? He doesn't want to talk so much about tactics, it seems. He wants to more talk about mentality and how we're all running and working. But it does it does seem to give way to this idea that he is just sort of sort of overexcitable German cheerleader, whereas with the other top managers in Europe, we're always talking about their tactical concepts and what they do. Do you think he doesn't get enough credit? I think there are two two factors at play here. I think on the one hand, uh, he is now sort of in a deeply confident space where he feels he doesn't necessarily have to present his big ideas to the world and. You know, he'll sometimes sort of drop something in. He did it after the Old Trafford game where he unprompted explained that, you know, putting Henderson on the right, pin back, um, pin back Man United's uh, wing back a little bit on that side and help them. But he sort of does it in passing, not to be too uh, obvious about it and not somehow coming across as needy because if there's one thing he's not, he's, he's definitely not needy. But I think you're right. I think we we all like our labels for managers we all like to identify them for certain trades and it's much easier um, and sort of more natural perhaps to look at him as the guy who man manages the guy who works with the with the players and works with emotions and works with the crowd rather than works with with ideas which is a much more difficult and less tangible concept Mm. especially from the outside but having 
having uh, you know spent a lot of time with the people who have worked with him or the people around him, I think he's an intensely tactical guy. Um, the idea that what we just talked about earlier, you know, the idea that game plan can actually make you much better as a team, that is the essence of of tactics, right? Having an idea that somehow elevates uh, you you as a group. Um, but with him, it's also always been a collective um, and, a, and, a, and a group effort because the people that he bounces his ideas off from, off with, um, the likes of Krav, Pete Kravitz or now also Pepin Linders, they, they're also hugely influential behind the scenes. And it's, it's very much a, um, a hive mind at work there. With Klopp, of course, always having to make ultimately the decision. Well, I mean, and that's a good fit for Liverpool, of course, since they have this uh, this transfer department who, who mean that you need a manager who's quite collaborative in his nature and will take on board advice from from the stats guys and all this sort of thing. But, but he did, of course, lose his his longtime number two uh, last year. A lot of talk about how the, he was the brains behind it, and Jurgen Klopp had now no brain and stuff. I think in hindsight that that was always a bit daft, was it not? Yeah, I mean. In a way, he had himself to blame for that because I think he overplayed the role of Bovac a little by calling him the brain. I think that was just him being very, very nice. Uh, of course, Bovac, I think, when he initially um, coached with Klopp at, uh, in the Mainz days, probably was more um, advanced as a coach. He had already coached. He had already had his, done his badges. Klopp was just fresh off being a, an aging defender going suddenly to, to the guy with the, with the cones and with the ideas. So... I think in those early days, and uh, and maybe also at Dortmund, it, the dynamic was different. But it has ch- it had changed, and part of the reason why things didn't work out is because the dynamic did change, and uh, Klopp I think no longer felt as uh, reliant on on Buvac, and Buvac also I think felt that he was no longer as uh, as much relied upon, and had other voices around him perhaps finding Klopp's ear more more readily and that was um if not at the heart and certainly one of the key factors why their relationship sort of just kind of withered away a little bit so going back around to what we started talking about a couple of years when when Klopp came one of the first interviews he did was a big sort of thing with Gary Lineker if I'm not mistaken where he talked about how I'm not a guy who needs to win every single game like it's not important for me the most important thing is to make the fans happy to have a team that they look forward to playing and it's more about just building that passion and that enthusiasm and at the time that was just the perfect fit for Liverpool of course they were quite far away from the top didn't look like they could make up that gap but again the situation is so different now and I remember after the United game he said well one point here is completely fine which echoes everything he said in the spring when they went through the spell of draws where they couldn't beat Leicester and West Ham and Everton this sort of thing but they're trying to beat Man City, who are a team who could very easily just suddenly win the rest of their games and get a hundred and something points. Is one point completely fine in these games? And is it a problem for Liverpool, I guess, that he still has a little bit of this sort of, it's all fine, let's just do our best and it'll be fine mentality? Or am I completely wrong in saying that he has that mentality? I think it's not a straightforward, uh, it's not a straightforward answer to this. I think on the one hand, History has taught him that you know those kind of results usually are fine when it comes to the to the big scheme of things. You know, you pick up a point. I remember, I think there was a draw when they were chasing top four a couple of years ago, which was very disappointing. And he just thought, no, no, the draw will be fine. And then they won it. They won the game in the last 
think they beat West Ham the last day of the season to then finish top four um, and qualify uh, for the Champions League. That would have been in in seven in sixteen seventeen. So I think he is quite um, pragmatic in that sense, and I think there's also maybe this enduring feeling that you know whatever we do we cannot really expect to win every single game even if that might be necessary to to beat Manchester City it's just not a realistic concept and to now to kill the team after eight days because they had dropped two points in all games wouldn't make a lot of sense and I don't think it would reflect um, his view and I don't think it would he probably would think it was counterproductive and therefore not necessary. I guess the key point here is that one thing is what he says publicly and what sort of reactionaries and idiots like me in the media make of that and what he's actually yeah. saying behind the scenes. I think he scenes. would be no, not adverse to to criticising players. If he feels that I'm a performer, I was quite surprised when Gene Wijnaldum told me just how brutal and cutting he can be with players who he feels have underperformed, but never to the point where he throws them under the bus. He'll, he'll kill them but then resurrect them with a kiss um, you know, <laughs> the next day. And then they love him even more. Um, but I, I, I don't think that he um, has ever found that, you know, slamming the players for, for losing or for not winning collectively sort of helps you that much. I think he once said, you know, we're, we're already down because we got a bad result. Now, if I just make everyone even more down by by having these negative vibes and stuff it doesn't help us we need to just make sure that we feel differently for the next game and I think that has been one of his key components for coaching and maybe a good lesson in life lastly he's been at Liverpool for a while now um, the German national team manager situation I see your face you get asked this quite a lot Yogi Love probably maybe not super secure in his position there going forward for all eternity you know, he does have a contract that runs out at some point at Liverpool. Should Liverpool fans be worried that he sees his future elsewhere, long-term future? I wouldn't be too worried at this point. I mean, the contract runs till 2022. I don't think he will walk away before, before that. Um, even, I think, 2022, he will only walk, that's just my personal opinion, if he feels his job is done, if he has achieved everything. If, for whatever reason, he comes short in the Premier League and doesn't deliver the Holy Grail, then I think the, the, the German national team can wait. I mean, that, that is a job that the German National uh, Football Association will, will give to him whenever he picks up the phone. Mm. They're waiting for him to take the job. Mm. Ah, well, that's the alarm. That means we have to stop. The alarm, the alarm, you know, it, it's, it, has, it shows no mercy to anyone. Uh, so that's that's how we have to do it. Uh, thank you very much, Rafa. And, and for anyone wondering about the background noises, I mean, we are in a lovely cafe in sort of uh, in lovely North uh, London. So there has been a bit of noise. I hope that wasn't a big problem for anyone. Thank you very much for coming out, Rafa. Great pleasure. Nice to have you on. See you soon.